49ers podcast on SB Nation. Niner Nate here with you this week. The Niners get it done again. And it, this one felt good. This one felt really good. With me this week is John Lund of KMBR. How are you doing today, man? Never better. How are you? Um, anytime the Niners win, it doesn't matter if it's subpar, you know, challenge. They won and they won handedly. And I think people are starting to realize that this team is still, you know, the team everyone thinks they are. They're just really injured right now. I think that if they can get healthy at the right time, which it's starting to look like they are, then we might be having a much different conversation, you know, in a couple of months now. I mean, they, they came out and they completely stomped a subpar team in the way that great football teams should every week. There should, if you play a team that is clearly worse than you are, you should go out there and just kill them. And that's exactly what they did. And, I mean, think, think about this. They were, they were missing their starting quarterback, their starting tight end, their starting running back, their second string running back, their second string tight end, their number one wide receiver, their number one corner, their number two corner, their number four corner, their number one defensive end, their number three defensive end, their number four defensive end, their number five defensive end, their linebacker two, their wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and their center. And they still blew these dudes out in a way that it was awesome to watch. Well, what, here's what happens is that when you have an expectation level, a few years ago, they wouldn't have won a game like this, no matter how bad the Giants were, because there's an expectation level. And, and the reason I get this, I, I talk to Dennis Brown often. I talk to a lot of players down there. When Dennis Brown started to play with the 49ers, his rookie year was the Super Bowl team in 94. It doesn't matter. And, and a lot of times for a lot of teams, you can say next man up mentality, but there's not a next man up as far as the depth is concerned. But on this team, because everybody now knows Kyle's been around long enough, John's been around long enough, so they have the depth of the type of player that they want. Every team in the NFL is a type of player that they want. Look at the Patriots, look at the Seahawks, look at all the best teams, and they draft those kind of players. They develop those kind of players. So now it's kind of like in college when you recruit. You have a, a whole system of players that are your type of players in here, and those players have an expectation level on a Super Bowl-type team to perform at a certain level. That's just what happens. There is no excuse of you're the second, you're the third, you're the this, you're the that. It doesn't matter. And they devastated the Giants so early and often. And then we, we, you, you see this with Kyle all the time. It's, there's a lot of system involved. I'm not saying the players aren't great, but there's a lot of system involved. And you go in, you play. That's what it's come down to. The depth of this team is as good or better than any other team in the league. That's what they just proved. That they have the depth even when they're hurt. Now, the next three games, you're talking about teams that aren't very good or the next two games after they take on the Giants. When you're talking about the Eagles who are over and the Dolphins beat the Jags, and that shouldn't even count. And then after that, you're talking about teams in the next seven weeks are, that are the prime teams in the NFL. So they get a little bit of luck here because they can start to get some guys back, a little bit lesser teams. But don't get me wrong, they can lose to the Eagles coming up this weekend. They have enough talent. They can lose, and there is no home field advantage in the NFL right now. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is nobody's coming into Levi's and having to deal with the fans. And even if that's not even a, even that really isn't a huge factor. It's, that's not a thing. And that it means that any game is losable for any team. I think that's the thing is with Seattle this year, you know, Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind, but that defense and that 12th man presence is, is not there. And you can kind of tell that in those games, you know, it's it, the biggest factor of that I felt was that game Sunday night where 
Green Bay was willingly just able to do what they wanted against that Saints team. And when you go into that building, you can't do that. You can't just call plays on the field mm-hmm. and not have to deal with, you know, the silent count and all that stuff. And so well, I can, I can tell you in week one at, at uh, Levi stadium, I was there and it was, it was like a morgue and <laughs> it, Kyler Murray could just go up and down the field. If it, it, after Raheem Mostert, you know, scores on the long run for 76 yards, that place is going bonkers and there's no way he can even hear. I mean, that's, there's a major advantage. Yeah. You have to get on an airplane. That's about it. You're not as familiar. You don't like to stay in a hotel. It doesn't matter. Teams can go in and beat you. It's, it's, a, it's truly the most neutral field you've ever played on in your life, and whoever executes and who, who's ever better is going to win on that given day. So there isn't a home field advantage. So the Niners get the Eagles at home. That's nice. Uh, the Eagles get, you know, you, you, get, you get teams at home, and that's really nice. You'd rather have that. But it just doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. They're not intimidated to walk into your place and win. So you've got to be careful. Everybody's giving them all the accolades, and they should. And they're going to get some guys back, and then we're all going to assume they're just going to win the game because the Eagles haven't won a game. Carson Wentz used to be really, really good. The last time these two teams played, and Kyle mentioned it today in a press conference, in 2017, they got beat 33-10 by Carson Wentz. They were 0-8. for Kyle hadn't won a game, and they had like six guys get knocked out of the game. Believe me, he has a revenge factor on his mind. He remembers that game. By the way, the day after that, uh, that, that game, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's some ties into this Eagles game, and he definitely has a chip on his shoulder in regards to the Eagles. He remembers that game. And I think that's one of my favorite things about this Niners team is that Kyle Shanahan does not allow these guys to take teams lightly. I felt like maybe week one they did, but it seemed like they knew they were better than the Jets and they knew they are better than the Giants, but they didn't let anything – I mean, those teams look dead in the water. In bo- like the only throw Sam Donald got off last week was in garbage time – and it was a great throw, and it was just he made a play. Like, and then the Giants, nothing. Nothing for four quarters, and that's what you should do. And I feel like with Shanahan, there's never going to be a game where this team comes out and looks absolutely flat after that Cardinals game this season. That's like the one thing I've been saying a lot is, well, it sucks that we lost to the Cardinals because that's a divisional opponent. But they're not a bad team. That's the thing is they're not a bad team. They oh, totally. have talent. They're better. And I don't think that was a matter of not being ready or anything. Look, the Cardinals came in and won that game. That's, that's just what it came down to is they executed. They struggled with Kyler Murray. They struggle with mobile quarterbacks. We saw it even with Daniel Jones. They're going to have to figure that thing out. But the Cardinals are a good football team. They fell asleep against the Lions last weekend. That's, the, if, that, that's a young team saying, come on. The Lions run a long losing streak. The Cardinals, yeah. this division between – you mentioned Seattle. Horrid defense. Russell Wilson's keeping them afloat, but you know what? That's just what Seattle does. Pete Carroll's a defensive coordinator. He'll figure it out. The Rams, I think, are better than we think. They should have won in Buffalo last week. They didn't. That's fine. And then the Cardinals, they, even last year they gave the 49ers trouble. They just do. There are certain matchups that give you trouble. This division is going to be tough, and then you're still talking about Green Bay as much as they blew them out last year and the Saints and all these difficult teams that they're going to have to play. It's going to be a challenge. I, I, totally. And that's the nice thing about the fact that they're getting healthy. I, and that's kind of the biggest thing I think we learned from this game. I think if we're taking takeaways from this game that we didn't know before mm-hmm. this is the depth is there at every position. I don't think there's any team, there's any position they're like completely lacking. I think maybe linemen would probably be my biggest concern, but you know, McGlinchey was better this week. I, I think that, you know, let's talk about Brandon Ayuk real quick. Brandon Ayuk is an absolute stud. And I understand it's one game, but they ran him out in the jet sweep just like they did Debo, and he looked the same way. You know, they used Kyle Juszczyk to, to block down, and there was no chance 
that they weren't going to score a touchdown on that play. And I think that's what Kyle wants is he has, now he has two of those guys and he has one, one of them can, can go catch deep passes. Now, granted, you don't have a quarterback who throws a lot of deep passes, but the, the, the tandem, doesn't. well, yeah. And, and, and the tandem of Ayuk and, and Debo, which hopefully Debo's coming back. They said he's going to practice on Wednesday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle, I don't think that offense is going to struggle much this season. Well, it, it's, it's too bad. Jordan Reed's out six to eight weeks with a sprained knee, so that's too bad. But if you, if you just look at – and one of the great things about having depth and allowing the depth to play, whether it's because of injuries or whatever the case may be, is now they all have confidence that they can go in there and do it. So if you look at skill position-wise, and I know Kansas City is still the team to, to beat as far as just pure skill position players. Absolutely. But given Kyle's mind, you're talking about McKinnon and Mostert and Kittle and Dwelly showed. He had four catches in the first half and Dwelly showed. And now Bourne can go back to being a third receiver, which he's really good. Uh, I've been a little bit disappointed in Trent Taylor. He had the 120-yard catch. He was supposed to be the guy in camp that was doing everything. But still, you mentioned Debo. You mentioned Ayuk. They're interchangeable parts. I still think Ayuk's a little bit better. And they, again, hand-picked guy. All these guys are hand-picked guys that can be versatile. They, they all practice at different positions. Everybody says, well, this guy's a slot guy. This guy's an X. This guy's a Y. They all practice at all those positions. They're interchangeable pieces. And depending on the matchup, and that's what the league is, matchup, matchup, matchup. One week, one guy's going to have a big game. The next week, another guy is because Kyle looks at the film and says, let's exploit this. So they have the versatility offensively, which he craves, so that each different guy on a given week can have a big game. And that's why they're so dangerous. Yeah, they're just so it's there's so much talent and they've done such a great job at drafting the offense that Kyle wants. I feel like, you know, Kyle goes out every week and he imposes his will on almost every team. And yeah, they're not going to blow everybody out. Like they did the last two weeks. I mean, I think they probably will blow out the Eagles just because that I just don't think there's anything there. But once we start getting to that Patriots game and the Rams game and the Seahawks game, they're going to be closer games for sure. But the ability for them to impose their will on anybody We've seen it for two years now. I mean, like, they can go out and beat anybody on any day. Well, if you talk about imposing will, what it comes down to, and I, I know that everybody's going to want to talk about Mullins because that's the easiest position. That was the we next question. Has, <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into that. I know we will. And, look, you can't over-talk a quarterback. He has his, his, the ball's in his hands every offensive play, so you can't over-talk him. But you just mentioned the thing that is, if you ask Kyle what is the identity of the football team, it's in the lines. They blew New York off the line along uh, as far as the offensive line was concerned. And the defensive line, even without Bosa, and can, you can say what you will because Solomon Thomas was so highly picked, but he was a, a rotational piece. It was a quality rotational piece throughout that he was a third overall pick. But the way Kerry Hyder played and the way now that Kinlaw is playing, this is, again, this is Chris Kucerich saying, these are my guys. He brings in a guy like Hyder Jr. from Detroit. He knows him. He brings in Anta. Anta really didn't flash, but okay. He just barely got to this team, so let's see what he's got. But they dominate on the defensive line. They dominate on the offensive line. That's the identity of the football team. And I think the most surprising part about the Giants game was they dominated on both sides. They've got to continue to do that against the better teams. But that was the identity of the football team last year. And even without Bosa, even without Thomas, even without, you know, go down the line, Julian Taylor, Ronald Blair, all these different guys that are out. That's the identity they want, and that last Sunday was the, the identity they had on both sides of the ball. And I mean, it doesn't hurt either that you have what is now, I think, the best linebacker in football. Fred, Fred Warner was unbelievable on Sunday. And so now not only are you able to control the line of scrimmage, but you have this linebacker who you just can't beat in coverage. It's wild. 
you know what he reminds me of? And I know people will hate the comparison, but it's 54 and 54. It reminds me of Bobby Wagner in Seattle because what he does is that he's got the athleticism. He gets the depth on the passing downs. He's a really smart player. He's becoming a leader. Uh, he was at BYU. They, it forces you. I covered BYU years ago. <laughs> they have smarter kids. They have older kids. They have mature kids. You have to be that way. That's what he is. He's a, he's a, a rat as far as the studying is concerned. He just, he's an athlete because he wasn't a linebacker. He was actually a, a nickelback. They moved him all over in the defense at BYU. He's just a really, really smart, athletic guy who, who you don't have to take him off the field at all. So when you see 54, and look, Bobby Wagner's going to the Hall of Fame. I think a 54, a Wagner is a 54 what, what uh, Warner's become. Absolutely. And I, it's been amazing to see what he's become. And, and I think that uh, even without Drake Greenlaw, their linebacking core was still really good on Sunday. And so I just, that's, and that's the thing is, so the linebackers are good. The defensive line is good. The corners, you know, people talk so much about Richard Sherman being washed. And, you know, when Richard Sherman went out, people freaked out on Twitter. Everyone freaked out. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? Everyone forgot about Jason Brett. And he comes in and he plays a whole game healthy. And I think I think he was awesome. I really do. I, I, I think that he was – I mean, obviously, he's not he, – you know, he's not, um, not going to be a Jalen Ramsey or anything like that. But if he stays healthy, they have another great corner on that team. Yeah, what I think is going to happen, and look, here's the thing. I, I have a philosophy on hurt guys. Hurt guys get hurt. And so when Jason Verrett hasn't played a game since, you know, 2016, and he was a, a pro bowler thing in 2015, whatever the years are, they get confusing, but it's injury, 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 injury. And after a while, you just say, look, he's a bonus. If he ever comes back and plays, it's a bonus. You remember him playing last year against Pittsburgh? He had a pass interference, and he gave up a big play, and then they benched him, and then he was uninjured again. So when you come into this year, you're thinking, well, I can't rely on that guy. So it's Sherman on one side. And, look, social media doesn't know what they're talking about. When they look at Sherman, when a guy's hurt a lot of times, you got to be a tough guy and you got to play hurt, right? Well, the first year he was here with the Achilles, he wasn't even near right. He said that numerous times. Last year he was healthy. Look, he's gotten older. Does speed give him trouble? Absolutely. Go back and look at the Super Bowl. There are certain receivers <laughs> – that he shouldn't be on. I mean, that's just the way that it goes. He, he's he's going to struggle with a smaller, faster, that type of receiver, but he's still one of the elite corners in the league. So put on the other side of him, and I think the decision will come down to, look, Akilah Weatherspoon is far too inconsistent for this coaching staff. They won't say it publicly. He is the prototypical size, speed. He's exactly what they're looking for out of the position. They draft him in the third round to be that way, but he just can't handle it. Mentally, he can't. His inconsistencies can't. It drives him crazy. He's not going to be the starter. So then it comes down to Mosley, who overachieves despite his size. And it's going to come down to Verrett, who's not very big either. But when he's healthy, as you said, which still, you got to, be, you got to watch that, Verrett probably starts on the other side because he looked as close to what he had been on Sunday to anything. He broke up. He had a great pass breakup. He sniffed out a screen and knocked the guy down. He did have a holding penalty. But you know what? That's the league right now. Guys are holding and grabbing, and you're going to yeah. catch them every once in a while. It just happens. But I think it's, it's Verrett and Sherman. And, look, it, at some point, as good as the defensive line was against the Giants, not having Nick Bosa is going to rear its head. They're not going to get the, to the quarterback as much. And the corners and the pass rush are tied together. So if they don't, there's going to be games where they're just not going to get there. And those corners and the defensive backs in general and Fred Warner and, and anybody in the pass defense on the backside – they're going to have to be better because you don't lose a Nick Bosa and not have it affect you 
in the long term. Just not going to happen. Well, especially since we now don't even know what's going on with D Ford. Like uh, they're saying that he's going to be put on short-term IR. He has a neck injury. Like it's such a disaster of a situation. Say it with me. What? What? Okay. Let's let's review. What do hurt guys do? <laughs> they get they hurt. Get hurt. <laughs> D Ford gets hurt. That's what he does. Knee problems, back problems, neck problems. D Ford is in the category of where Verrett was. When he proves to you he can be healthy, then you can rely on him. Right now. And I'll, I'll tell you another thing that through 20 years of doing this, I learned when, when they, when a team is secretive and Kyle Shannon, I can tell you is one of the most forthright and honest guys, as far as a coach is concerned, he's the opposite of Jim Harbaugh. He's the opposite of Bill Belichick. He, when he doesn't tell you something and he's secretive and he's being mysterious about something, there's a major problem. And D Ford, they're being mysterious about, they're not really telling us, is it the back? Is it the neck? Oh, it's the neck. Are you putting them on IR? I don't know. We'll find out later this week. It's just, it's a shroud yeah. of mystery around D Ford, which tells me there's a major problem here. So I'm not counting on D Ford again. He, he's an injured guy. So hurt guys get hurt. So we need arm. I mean, that's basically comes down to it is we need Armstead to play like a pro bowl player that, you know, he got paid like, and that's yep. the biggest thing is like, yes, he did against the jets and the giants. But you know, when we play Seattle who their line isn't great either, but we're still going to have to be able to stop Russell Wilson or he's going to kill us. Because that team doesn't care about stopping anybody. They know they're going to score 30 to 40 points a game. And that's what it's going to come down to again this year. It feels like it's going to be the San Francisco-Seattle for the division. It, really, it, it honestly feels like it's writing itself already. Russell Wilson will be the MVP candidate going into week 17. Can San Francisco beat Seattle at home in their own place versus their MVP candidate? And it's going to come down to being able to get to him that final week like they did the final week last year. And just making great a great play. I, I really think it's going to come down to the end of the game because Seattle doesn't play anybody. Seattle doesn't blow anybody out. They're scoring 40 points a game almost, and they still don't blow anybody out because their defense is so bad. And so that's the biggest thing is, you know, our offense has to improve. And I think now moving to the other side of the ball, I think the offense has improved. I think, you know, it looked, it looked just like it did last year with worse, you know, less higher quality players, basically. You know, the guys aren't as healthy. And it still looked just like it did last year this week. And yes, it's the Giants. But they have the identity on offense that they're going to run the ball and they're going to just find ways to kill you. And they did it again this week. They did it against the Jets without Raheem Mostert. You know, you pay Raheem Mostert a little bit of extra money. It doesn't matter. You have Jet McKinnon to come in and he can run the ball just as good as anybody. And I, think he, I think what you want to do, I think the key right now becomes then is Mostert, you know, where is Mostert? Where is Debo? Where are these guys? It's great that these guys, what happens in all of sports is for a short period of time, guys who are backups and so forth, and these are quality football players, but you don't want to expose them. NBA players, if a guy plays 25 minutes a night and that's his role, you don't want him playing 40 minutes a night. And it's the same kind of a thing. I like Jet McKinnon. He's really, really good. But because he's coming off all these injuries, I don't want to have to overuse him. And right now they're probably using him a little bit more and, and given that there was no offseason, so some of these guys that they're relying on, you can get a couple of weeks out of a guy. A backup quarterback like Nick Mullins. I love Nick Mullins. But what a backup quarterback is supposed to do for you is win three or four games and then go back to the bench and your starter comes in. You don't want to have Nick Mullins going for 16 or, or you know, we saw it a few years ago. He's a great backup quarterback. Same with a lot of these guys. You mentioned Eric Armstead. The big thing with Eric Armstead is, all right, was it the guys around you and you were the guy that was singled up all year long because Buckner and, you know, that entire offensive line or defensive line because of Buckner, because of Bosa, because all these other guys on the D-line. 
and you got the one-on-one all year long, did you get those sacks because you were great? Or did you get them because of the guys around you and you, and you were the guy they said, if this guy beats us, we're going to get beat. So that's what happens with backup players is that at some point they start scouting you and then they start saying, okay, this is what this guy can do. And then you're not as good because you've been overexposed. So they got to start getting some of these guys back, get healthy, and then put these guys in the roles that they were originally designed to be played. So, like, you know, talking about this Eagles game, do you think that they should trot out Nick Mullins or should they put Jimmy Garoppolo out there, you know, if he's healthy, of course? Do you think that Mullins gets one more game against subpar talent or even two more games? You know, that Miami Dolphins team isn't really that great either. I mean, you're playing two home games against two teams that are both, you know, the Miami Dolphins beat the Jaguars. And I've said on this show a million times, the Jaguars roster is a joke. You know, Mm -hmm. I like Gardner Minshew because I used to work in Washington and I really like the guy but he's not a terrific NFL quarterback, and the rest of that roster is pretty garbage, that Eagles team has shown nothing through three weeks. Like, there's Carson Wentz has regressed so bad, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you do is, and this is how all NFL coaches and this is how all professional coaches think, if a guy's healthy, he plays. I mean, that's just what happens, is that you're not going to say, you know what, we're just playing the Eagles or we're just playing the Dolphins. If you say that to a coach, they'll punch you in the face. <laughs> and their job is to win games and put the best players on the field. Talk to any NFL player. If the backup was better, the backup would be starting. Honestly, I don't care how much Jimmy's making. If Kyle Shanahan thought that Nick Mullins was a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, he'd be starting. Coaches don't care what a guy makes. They start the best player because if they don't start the best player, they're going to get fired next. So, look, if Garoppolo's healthy, he plays. If Kittle's healthy, he plays. If Mostert's healthy, he plays. Go on down the line. If any of these guys are healthy, they, they never, ever will have the mentality, a head coach in the NFL, of, geez, it's just the Eagles. Let's not play our starters. There's yeah. no way. They just they can't. And it doesn't matter if it's the Jaguars, who absolutely stink, and it doesn't matter of Miami because Fitzpatrick could get hot and Carson Wentz for a game could play the way he used to play. The, the, look, the Falcons came in here and beat the Niners last year. There's always a game or two when you go down the schedule and you go win-loss, 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 that you're going to lose. Inexplicably, you're going to say, how did we lose that game? You're going to lose it. It just happens. So you have to play your best players if they're healthy. Now, if they're not, that's a different story. But if Jimmy's healthy, no matter – look, Nick Mullins could go out and light the world on fire. He's not starting. And that's – I mean, that's the biggest thing is, yeah, it is the Eagles and all that stuff, but if they can get through this stretch – and end up four and one going into New England, and then they're healthier on on both sides of the ball. They get Greenlaw back, they get get Sherman back, they get you know Garoppolo, Kittle, Mostert, and there's not more injuries, of course. Then we're looking at a, I think another potential Super Bowl run, really, because yes, there's no Nick Bosa. That's a huge thing. Don't get me wrong, but the offense has shown the ability to improve and evolve as the season goes on, and the offense now. Yes, we're not, we're not Russell Wilson throwing the ball down the field to DK Metcalf wide open and, you know, constantly just scoring touchdowns. But what the offense is doing now is they're putting points on teams and the, other, the teams have no answers for it. And so that's the thing is, can your defense stay middle of the pack or top 15 to get you where you need to be? Because the offense is better, I think. You know, I love Emmanuel Sanders, but I think Ayuk might actually be this the the big wide receiver that we've actually been waiting for and hearing about in training camp you were actually at training camp so I'm sure you could give a little bit more insight on Ayuk and what people said and what you saw on Sunday 
rookies are inconsistent. I mean, you, you heard from Kyle Shanahan in his post-game press conference that, look, he had to go up to Brandon Ayuk at halftime and just some intricacies, and he's a very demanding guy, he, some intricacies that Brandon Ayuk was not doing, and some of them were away from the ball. you got to sell every play, whether you're getting the ball or not, and that's what he was talking about. you got to sell like you're going to get the ball. They're, everything is intertwined offensively. One guy's going another way to clear out something for somebody else. So it, all those things happen all over the field. So he was talking to Ayuk about consistency. Well, when you're a rookie, there's, you're going to have inconsistent moments. You're still getting used to things. The second year a guy plays in the league, he's going to watch Debo when he comes back. His comfort, you know, his, his abilities, comfort level is going to be much higher. I love Ayuk physically, long arms, big, run after the catch. Everybody knows this, but I'll say it anyway. 11 yards uh, per catch, run after the catch, led America last year for college football at Arizona State. The guy's got it. Debo's got it. When everybody gets healthy, it will – the one thing I would caution people against, you get Mostert back, Ayuk is back, Debo's back, and everybody – and Kittle's back, and everybody expects everything to click. There's continuity offensively. And given that they didn't have an offseason, and you're seeing this a little bit, I thought we'd see more, but we really haven't, you're, it just takes a while to get continuity, continuity along the offensive line. Ayuk understanding where Debo is going to be. All these different things. You can throw like they did at San Jose State last year with Jimmy. It's not the same thing. And Kyle every week changes, puts in wrinkles, does these different things. And you have to run these things intricately. So it, 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 it's going to be a great offense, I think, eventually, because they do have the weapons. But it's going to take a little bit of time when everybody comes back. The other thing I would say in terms of Garoppolo is, first of all, he had a great year last year, and everybody's stuck on the Super Bowl because he didn't drive him down the field, and he missed Sanders. I get it. But generally, he was great. The second year for a quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense, second year in the Kyle Shanahan offense, Matt Ryan won the MVP. Second year in the Kyle Shanahan offense for Matt Schaub, he threw a career-high 29 <laughs> touchdown passes. You know, he, he, he developed uh, RG3. I know RG3 hurt his knee, but he wasn't very good, and they had a great offense when Kyle was there. You can go on down the line in terms of the quarterback that he's had. Second year is the key year. I know that Jimmy's hurt right now, but when he comes back and gets his bearings and everybody comes back offensively and they feel good and they have continuity, I expect Jimmy to be great. And you talked about later on in the year. That's when they're going to need him to be great when it's the tougher teams in the division, when it's New England, when it's New Orleans, when it's Green Bay. We're seeing the way that Rodgers is playing as well. You're going to need Jimmy to hit on all cylinders with these players and I think he will because once you get this offense down and you understand where everybody is and all the weapons and all the pieces are back, this offense, as you said, I think can be scary. That's totally the thing is they're going to be scary. And then the other thing, you know, the question I only, the only real question I have going forward is the fact that Debo Samuel's injury, what do you think about this Debo Samuel injury? Like, do you think he's going to come in and, and he'll be a factor or they're going to have to use Ayuk to kind of, make up for some of the stuff. Cause Debo's not going to be a hundred percent. I don't think for a couple weeks, yeah. even when he does come back. Well, he's, he's got what's called a Jones fracture. And if you're familiar with it, it's what Trent Taylor had last year, but Trent Taylor had some, again, everybody assumes in the league that you have an injury. These doctors are great. You come back. He had all these complications did Trent Taylor with this thing. So it can be a really funky injury. It's small bones in your foot and you just don't know how they're going to react. But as we said before, when a guy's healthy, they're going to bring him back. They're not going to take any chances with Debo. And what Kyle Shanahan said about him is Wednesday is the first practice of the week as you get ready for the game. So he's, they're going to see him on Wednesday. They've seen him on the side, and they're going to see how he works. And between now and Sunday, they'll see if he plays. I would say this. As secretive as the league is being, more than I've ever seen, we won't know if Debo's going to play probably until Sunday. 
because why would he tell the Eagles that Debo is going to play? Because then they have to get ready for him and they're going to go back and look at the tape. They're going to look at the Super Bowl. They're going to do this. They're going to run that. They're not going to tell him because to me, it changes the game plan and Philadelphia has to be ready. So then either way, they're going to plan for it. But as you said, last year at this time, they didn't have Sanders yet. So you're looking at Debo and he's kind of developing. They didn't have the kind of weapons they do. We've seen if Debo doesn't play, they can still be very effective. But if it's Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Mostert, <laughs> now, now, we're, yeah, now we're cooking with gas. They're, uh, yeah, they're just completely stacked on offense. That's why I think this going forward, you know, this factor that they are the best defense in the NFC West by far. I think that they have the best defense in the NFC West. The Rams are good, but I mean, I don't feel like they are where San Francisco is when it comes to coverage and where it comes with linebackers. You know, granted, they have the best player in the NFL by far. Aaron Donald is still wrecking people, but they're still getting scored on by, you know, Josh Allen's still scoring 30 points on them in in a half. Nobody's going to score 30 points on the 49ers in a half. It's just not going to happen. That's just not the way that Salah's defense is built. So the thing is, do you think having the best defense in the NFC and a really good offense is going to be enough for them, for that Seattle game to be the game for the division again? Well, it's going to be what it always is. Uh, it's Seattle and the 49ers know each, uh, each other so well. They run similar schemes defensively that it's going to come down to that. And that's where Russell Wilson is so scary because we've seen the defense, if you've watched the first few games, they've set a record for yards uh, yeah. against them passing in their first few games. They're going to get that rectified because Pete Carroll's a good defensive coordinator. They're going to, the issue with them, we talked about this before, they can't get to the quarterback. They absolutely have the worst pass rush in the league. Oh, totally. So their defensive backs have to constantly cover. Now, right now, Jamal Adams has a groin injury. Uh, Dunbar, that's a major problem because, let's be honest, Trey Flowers is terrible. He got cooked <laughs> left and right against Dallas over the weekend. But if it's Dunbar on one side, Shaquille Griffin, who didn't have a great game against Dallas either, and Quandre Diggs, who was great against the 49ers here on Monday Night Football during that loss, and then Jamal Adams. Adams is terrible against the pass, by the way, but he is a great, great uh, Troy Polamalu type that moves all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's a good secondary. They have good linebackers. Wagner and K.J. Wright aren't dead yet, but they can't get to the quarterback, and, so, and they can't stop the run. And so they, they have issues. But Pete Carroll's a good defensive coordinator. I'm not a fan of Ke- uh, Ken Norton Jr., but Pete Carroll's a good defensive coordinator, and they'll get better. Are they going to be you know, a top five defense like they used to be? Absolutely not. But if they're top 15 and they have Russell Wilson and they're allowing Russ to cook like they talk about up in Seattle and he's throwing the ball, then Seattle's going to be a tough out because that's just what they are. That's what the, the Niners are. It, it's tough within your division. Arizona's got a good defense. They weren't good against Detroit, but Arizona's good defensively. Buda Baker and the type of speed that they have and Chandler Jones, they've got good pieces defensively. They're going to be tough for the Niners even when they go to Arizona. The Rams, those two games aren't walkthroughs. That's going to be tough. The Rams are going to be tough. The whole division, which is why it is so key right now to win these games, these next few games, you have to win the games you've got to win. You can't drop games where you think we should have won that one. I don't count Arizona, by the way, as that. They're a good football team. Well, totally, yeah. I, I still think Arizona's a good football team. Kyler Murray threw three interceptions, and they still almost won the game against, sure, is what lesser talent. I, the division is tough. But the one thing we are seeing, I think, outside of the division, it's not as tough as we thought it was going to be. The Saints do not look like world beaters. I said this last week on the show with Jennifer Lee Chan. I do not think the Saints are world beaters. I think Drew Brees is washed. I think Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has this, like, F-U mentality about him right now that I don't think 
Niner fans truly understand unless you watch these games. Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Now, is he going to do that against San Francisco? I don't know. I would be pretty mad when I play San Francisco after what they did to me last year. They beat him twice, and it wasn't close in either one. But the rest of the NFC is pretty wide open. So, I mean, if San Francisco can, get, can run off some wins here, they can drop a few at the end. Obviously, I don't want them to, but mm-hmm. the division is going to be a dogfight. I feel like most of those teams are going to split. I don't think, either, I don't think there's any of those teams that are going to win two of those games. I mean, Seattle might be able to take out the Rams twice, but they couldn't even do that. I mean, they, I don't think they did that last year. They, they lose to Arizona every year, and they lost to San Francisco last year as well. This division is completely wide open, and I think the team that wins this division still probably won't even be the one seed. I think that the Niners are going to win the NFC West despite the injuries. I think Seattle is too, has a fatal flaw defensively with the pass rush. Uh, they addressed it in the second round and the fifth round, but their second rounder is already hurt. Their fifth rounder, uh, Alton Robinson, is a guy that, you know, is going to take some time to develop. I don't see the pass rush improving to the level that they need it to, which puts a ton of pressure on the defense backs. Arizona still scares me, although Kyler Murray can run and he can throw it to DeAndre Hopkins. He still has to develop his, his passing game, and I think as you see more of him, I think that some things will be exposed. Don't get me wrong. He has the physical tools. He has the arm strength. He has the speed. He's a scary guy, but the three interceptions against the Lions, against a guy like Matt Patricia, who used to run the Patriots defense, he saw some things, obviously, in Kyler Murray, and I think some other teams can see those things as well. The Rams are kind of a wild card to me, but they win the NFC West, I think. The NFC, I think it's too early to count out the Saints because although Drew Brees was just a checkdown machine on Sunday night against the Packers and Rodgers was great, remember, we're three games into the season. There's going to be more injuries. Who knows who gets yeah. hurt? The long season, teams adjust, teams get better, teams get worse. That's just what happens. If you had, if you had said last year, I think the Rams got off to a 3-0 and start and everybody put them back in the Super Bowl, but not so much. So you, you got to wait. You got to see. Teams are going to develop. And I know that we've got content to fill right now. So you can't say, well, we'll just wait and see. Boy, we got to talk right now. <laughs> We're talking now. So, but the NFC, uh, is, New Orleans is still in it. Um, Michael Thomas will make Drew Brees much, much better. Um, the, uh, the Buccaneers, we don't know what the Buccaneers are. You know, Tom Brady looked great on Sundays, 43. I don't expect him to be as good. But every time we say that Tom Brady's done, he's not. Uh, now we're yeah. starting to say Drew Brees is done. He may not be. Um, the thing about the Packers, we talked about matchups. The Seahawks and the 49ers match up really well. The Packers, to me, did not improve the run defense well enough to, to beat the 49ers. If, if you're going to beat the 49ers, you better shore up on the run defense. They didn't. Now, maybe they will. Maybe they'll, they'll do something. But defensively, I don't think they did enough. But they're still the Packers. They still have Aaron Rodgers. They can beat you even though you, the 49ers beat them twice. But the NFC still, to me, the AFC comes down to the Chiefs and the Ravens. And New England's uh, been maybe better than we thought. But there's two teams. Yeah. In the NFC, it's still the 49ers. you got to respect the Seahawks. I still think Arizona is something. I'm not counting out Drew Brees just yet. Green Bay is still Green Bay. Uh, I don't know what Brady is going to be. They, they have continuity issues. They just haven't been on the same page yet. If they get on the same page, and remember, you can go back a year when the 49ers played them. Todd Bowles puts together a great defense every single year. Tampa Bay is going to have a good defense. And if Brady gets on the same page as the rest of that offense, when you're talking about Godwin and Evans and the type of tight ends, I know Gronk's not off to a great start. He's a veteran. It, it, when it's money time, Brady will go to him. O.J. Howard, you're talking about a lot of offensive talent. I don't know about the offensive line there. But the NFC is going to be a dogfight. Minnesota's 0-3. I don't expect that to continue. 
Minnesota's too good of a football team, although Kirk Cousins has been terrible. But the NFC, had, if you said, okay, the NFC, who's a Super Bowl contender? There's probably six teams at this point that are, yeah. and you wouldn't be shocked. And I still think the Niners, when healthy, are at the top of the heap, though. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I really think so, and I think the schedule – is working out in a way where it could really benefit them. I mean, it doesn't look like fans are going to be back in New Orleans by the time San Francisco plays them. I mean, that's still a month away, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the Green Bay game is here in, you know, in Santa Clara, and they don't play well there. They haven't for two years. And, you know, it's setting up still. I, the, the Buccaneers, I think, is the biggest wild card. I really do. I think the Buccaneers are, are sort of like, a, a, I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know who they are. Um, and then your own division is still scary. And I think it's the best division in football. And luckily, you play the NFC East. Those are free wins. I mean, the Cowboys can score points, but they can't stop anybody. You know, the Giants, we kill them. The Eagles, we play this week. I don't think that they're going to be a challenge. And the Washington football team is not scary at all either. So, I mean, it's setting up for them to make another run at the Super Bowl. It just comes down to the injuries dying down, really. I mean, this injury bug has been insane. I think they're the most injured team in the NFL right now. And, yes, they're getting healthier, but – it's got to die down eventually. I don't know what it's, what's caused these injuries. If it was just the lack of practices or the lack of, you know, really having any pads on for a lot of the off season, but the injuries has to die down. And it seems like it, it is. A lot of people are saying that, that right now the NFL has more injuries than they've ever had three weeks in. And we can only hope that's going to change. But until we get to that point, there's not really much we can do. I think right now we just have to hope that they take care of business the next two weeks. Well, the schedule goes in their favor, as we said. The Eagles, I think any team could beat any team on any Sunday. It's the NFL. But the Eagles, they should beat. The Dolphins, they should beat. And then things start to get a little bit tougher. In terms of the injuries, here's the way that you have to look at it. Nick Bosa's out for the year, right? It's the guys who are going to be out for the year. If a guy, D. Ford scares me, like I said, because they're being very secretive. If he's out, then the pass rush becomes an issue. And if you look at issues in the league, pass rush is number one because your defensive backs, and I don't care how good they are, cannot cover forever. So Bosa's a major thing because he's out for the year. But Kittle's supposed to come back. Davo's going to come back. Mostert's going to come back. It's just all if all these – if you can get healthy, then your football team it can be what they're supposed to be and what you drafted it to be, and then, then you're going to be fine. But that's what it comes down to. I don't worry about a guy for a week or a guy for two because that's going to happen. It's when the injuries happen. It's how many that happen. They got lucky they played the Jets and the Giants when they did so that they could win these games. But this weekend's game against the Eagles, look, they're better than the Giants. They're better than the Jets. The Jets are the worst team, both from a record standpoint. They're, they're going to be lucky to win a game this year. And from a, from a standpoint of talent, they're completely devoid of talent. So they, they do get lucky in that way. But right now, the two injuries to me, and nothing against Solomon Thomas, it's just that Solomon Thomas was not going to be a, a difference between winning or losing a football game. Nick Bosa is. Steve Ford could be. Those, George Kittle is. Jimmy Garoppolo is. You know, those type of guys are your key players. Trent Williams is. I just you, I, He's an irreplaceable part, I think, yeah. at left tackle. I know that they got through some games with Joe Staley last year out. I think Trent Williams is that good. So it, it, it's just a matter of who's out for the year versus what guys are going to come back. And right now, and I know Jordan Reed's out six to eight weeks, but Kittle, Dwelly, they've got some depth at that position. It's just a matter of how long these guys are out. And it may start reversing the trend where some of these guys start coming back this weekend. Totally. I 100% agree, and I think that they'll take care of business like they should. Thanks, John, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. If anyone wants Thanks to listen to your, you know, your show on the radio, do you want to give them the time? And, I mean, 
people listen to Terrestrial Radio all the time. I'm sure your show's awesome. So, yeah, uh, the uh, the show is uh, Poppin' Lund. I'm on with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. Weekdays 10 to 2 on KMBR, the flagship of the Niners. Plus, I do pre and post game for the 49ers. So, like this weekend against the uh, the Eagles, I'm on at 9 a.m. Sunday for a game that starts at like 1:25. So, like four hours of pregame for a two and a half hour game it makes all the sense in the world i mean it it, it makes plenty of sense. I, honestly i'm sure people are still listening that people are crazy for this football team out here i just moved back from yeah. washington and it's been so fun to see how like the niners fever again because in seattle you don't get that you don't get to see how fun it was i lived there last year when they were in the super bowl and it's just it's been awesome to be back and i'm sure you know you're having a lot of fun and i think every fan yeah. is having a lot of fun and i hope I really hope they can pull this off. So um, if you want to follow, you have, do we have a Twitter you can follow you on or anything like that? At John Lund Radio across the board on all the social media uh, platforms. So uh, any of that stuff, go right ahead. Awesome. And check out his show on KMBR. You can follow me at Nate 49 on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back next week after hopefully the 49ers just take the Eagles to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs>